All right, so we're talking about exit ramps. And when I say exit ramps, here's how I'm going to define that. These are, are things, uh, opportunities in your life to stray from, the, from, following, from following Jesus. And um, I'm going to define it in, in course of what we're talking about uh, as uh, not following Jesus uh, to, make, to the point of making disciples, of being effective with your life. Um, if you look, do you guys have your, I hope you have your Bibles. We'll look at some verses together. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. If you guys look that up, or if you just have it in your head, that's great too. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. All right, somebody want to read that? Someone with an accent, read that, please. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So here's what I want us to see. Um, for by grace you have been saved, right? How much did you do for your salvation? Okay, for by grace. Not, not of good works, right? Nothing that we've done so that we, we could boast in them. So it's just been by grace that we've been saved through faith, right? But now that we've been saved, verse 10 tells us this, uh, we've been created for what? For what? Good works so that we can walk in them. So what we're going to talk about is these good works that God's created us in and how we can walk in them. And some exit, some, some exit ramps that we need to watch out for so that we can continue to walk in this. Um, John 6, the end of John 6, you can write this down. Uh, Jesus is walking around, he's talking, he's teaching. And he, he says some stuff that's really intense. Uh, eat my flesh, drink my blood, right? Intense stuff. And it says that at this point, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And when I read that, man, I, that's, not what I, that's not my response, right? That's not what I would have done. If I've got people following me, and I say some intense stuff, and they walk away. I'm going to be like, man, what did I say? Sorry, guys. Uh, come back, let's hash this out, right? Uh, Jesus doesn't do that. And, and notice, right, it says many of his disciples. It doesn't say many of his interested people or many of his uh, looky-loos, or I don't know if that's a, but whatever. It, 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 many of his disciples, these, these seem to be somewhat committed people. Many of his disciples walked away, and Jesus doesn't run after them. He doesn't track them down. What he does, he's got 12 people that stick around, his 12 disciples. And I don't know what, what you're, where you're at, but if it were me, I would have been like, to the 12, oh my gosh, thank you guys for staying around. Oh man, that was hard. Did you see how they left? Did you see what they said when they were leaving? Oh my goodness. They, I mean, I just appreciate you guys for sticking with us. Man, oh, good grief. Man, that was, oh, thank you. But what does he say? If you know the story... He turns to the 12 and he says, 
do you guys want to leave too? There's the door. There's the door. Man, this is hard work. Following Jesus is hard. There's the door. You can leave now. And remember his disciples' response. They look at him and they say, man, where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. Jesus, man, we've got nothing. We, we trust you for everything. You have the words of life. We're with you. Um, so that's, we're talking about staying the course, finishing the race. Um, you see this throughout the Bible. 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul says, Don't you know that all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul says in Acts 20, 24, uh, his goal was to finish the race, right? Finish the race, the task that was was set before him, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Um, No one wants to be the person who quits, right? No one wants to be that guy, right? The person who quits. uh, I mean, I've seen a lot of my friends take exit ramps. Some of you have seen your friends take exit ramps, right? I've seen my friends... um, get to the point where uh, they were all about making disciples. They were all about investing their lives into others. They were all about following Jesus. But 10 years later, 15 years later, uh, they go to church on Christmas and Easter. And it's just this nominal Christianity that they've taken taken part of. They haven't really bought in to this. And so they've kind of fallen off uh, this course. And so uh, the reality is a lot of your friends will quit. A lot of your friends will not continue to run this race. And so we want to talk about what are some things that will knock us off this so that we, uh, we can be people that stay the course. So I want to hear from you. Um, man, what, do you, what are some things that you guys have seen? I've got some here too. What are some things that you've seen uh, that knock people off from, from really running this race? Relation. What do you mean by relationships? Um, someone who gets so invested in a significant other that it's kind of like that becomes like their whole reason that they care about. So re- number one, relationships. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you guys ever seen that? We're gonna. I'm gonna stop on each one of these and uh, just we'll chat about them. What does that look like? So they they invest themselves in a relationship. Yeah, it's like that's the only thing that they care about. Only thing they care about. What else does this look like? Have you guys seen this? Um, maybe not just that, but the person who's in this race and they make compromises to be on the same kind of level as this other person who's not in this race. Yeah, they kind of lower their standards. They compromise. Anyone else? Like, what else does this look like? Is this a thing? Have you seen this? Yeah, I see it all the time. Just out of, just out of peer pressure, people stop, stop doing things that they do for them. Okay, yeah, that's another one. Let, let me stop on the relationships thing. Uh, guys, did you know this? This is a fact. You, 99% of people who get married will marry someone they dated. Did you know that? <laughs> did you know that? Like, that's a... I just made that up, but I think I'm pretty close. <laughs> 99% of people who get married will marry someone they dated. I don't think most, a lot of the students that I work with, a lot of them, I don't know if they know this. A lot of people at CBU, I'm not sure that they know this. No one has ever told them this. You might marry someone you date. So be careful who you date, right? Can, right? Can we, can we agree on that? Who you marry will make 
or break you. Who you marry will make or break you. Here's a, this isn't tried and true. Like, I mean, there's probably some give, some flex in this. Um, so this is, this is some wisdom, not like so hard line on this. But, man, I think it's pretty wise. I've heard this, um, this piece of wisdom. You should look for, get this in line. Number one, figure out your master in life. Number two, figure out your mission in life. And then number three, the last thing, figure out your mate in life. So figure out your master, figure out your mission, figure out your mate. And when we talk about that, master, we're not talking about, um, hey, I like Jesus, that's a good idea. And we're talking about, you've nailed down, I'm following Jesus, there's a stake in the ground, um, right? Though none go with me, man, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow Jesus. So he's the master of my life. Unless you have that figured out, you might lower some standards. You might say, uh, well, they like the idea of Jesus, right? And that's a dangerous place to be, right? Paul tells us not to be unequally yoked. And he's talking about that in terms of a dating relationship. I don't think, we usually go straight to don't be an equally yoked believer, non-believer. And I would say that, that might, there might be some... Uh, are you really striving to make disciples and they're not? Even if they're just like a, just a new believer, that might, be a not, might not be a good time for them to start dating. Uh, so have you figure out master in your life, then mission. Now, when I say mission, I'm not saying have you figured out uh, the job in the city, in the town where you're going to go. You, I, I'm, I'm just saying, do you have a general concept of mission in your life? Do you understand uh, God's global purpose? Do you understand uh, discipleship? Have you figured out some stuff in your life? Are you, are you trying to be intentional with your life? Are, are you living your life on purpose, basically? Are you living your life on purpose, not on accident? Okay? So mission. And then mate. The important, the reason those three things are good to keep in order are because if you haven't figured out your master, then you might marry someone with a different master. And that, that's going to be a rough relationship. If you haven't figured out your mission, you might you might marry someone with a different mission, and someone's going to be torn in that in that relationship. Uh, so those are two good things to look look at. Um, I remember a guy that really invested in me, awesome guy, um, when I was in seminary in Kansas City. Great guy, love this guy. He really invested in my 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 family, and uh, I just remember though. We were at a, this little weekend conference, and I remember looking at him, and he was bawling. He was crying as he was telling me about the mission that he believed God put on his heart in college. And he said, Brian, I, I love my wife. I, I, I'm not saying I regret marrying her, but she didn't have the same mission. And I just wonder if things would have been different. I just, I just wonder what, if things would have been different. He feels like he kind of gave up the mission God put on his heart in college. Um, Valerie, um, I used to work for this ministry. We travel and speak, and we would get emails from random people. Valerie, just this random woman, just emailed uh, just the info email uh, on our website, and she said this, I just wanted to let you know I came across your website today. At 18, I spent a summer in student missions and knew at that end of the summer that God wanted me in missions work. But then I met a guy and basically sold God out just to get married. I'm now 41 and have regretted that decision in so many ways. Please keep telling young people that the day to minister for Christ is today. 
not tomorrow or next semester or next year, and tell them to never, ever, ever let any person or anything deter you from the mission that God has placed in your heart. I'm speaking from experience. Man, I, if you guys have ever, if you ever get a chance to come to CBU, it's a wonderful place. I want to invite you, come hang out. But there's one thing that you can do, um, you can people watch at CBU. And every now and then, as you people watch, you will just be amazed. at. And uh, women, I'm just going to talk to you right now. Men, you can listen if you want, listen in. But women, I, you'll be amazed at how many women, you can just see looking at how many women have settled at CBU. And you'll, you'll watch people walk by. You don't even know these people, but you're like, Dude, he can barely walk straight. Like, he can't communicate. I, I don't know what he's saying. She seems um, like a really wonderful woman. How did this happen, right? It happens every day at CBU. Women settling and settling. And the reason is, look in this room, count the women, count the men who, who probably is, who wins. Women, right? You know, you more women here. Most ministries, most churches look like that. And so let me just tell you this. Women, there's a good chance that some of you will be single for the rest of your life. It's just a good chance. And your options are, I'm going to settle and marry some bum that doesn't really give a rip about making disciples. Or I'm going to say, no, and I'm going to give my life to Jesus first and foremost. And I'm going to give my life and throw my life into investing into others. And I don't care what happens in this dating stuff. But, man, I care about making an impact for, for, for Christ. And I'm not going to settle. It's worth it. And let me tell you, it's worth it. You've got to learn to be okay with being single. That the, the worst thing is not being single. The worst thing is being married to somebody who, who doesn't point you towards Jesus, that doesn't point you towards making disciples. And that's the worst thing in the world. Man, I, my sister is amazing. She's 30, uh, 34 years old, amazing woman, has reproduced her life over and over again, raised up leader after leader after leader, for her, the campus ministry she's a part of, for the church she's a part of. And she's impacted nations. Um, I was in Cambodia once, and uh, somebody looked at me and said, you look like Tanya's brother. You look, and I'm like, how did you know, right? She's just impacted people. I didn't even know this person. We hadn't talked about that she was here, but uh, she's just impacted so many people. Single. Man, I, I, I don't know. Like, Part of me wishes she wasn't, right? I'd love to have a little niece or nephew, but it's worth it. The amount of impact that she's had is insane. She makes better disciples than I do. Like, she's had more of an impact than I have. And so I'm grateful for her. So women, can we just don't settle? Okay? Can we, is that okay? This will derail you. All right? And men, pick up your game. All right. Uh, <laughs> next. Uh, what's another exit ramp? Uh, we landed a little. That was a long time on that one. What's another? This is not a dating talk. What's another? Oh, work. But work is like, cool. Like, we all got to work, right? 
Yeah, work can be an exit ramp. Career. I said career. That's how I put it on here. Um, man, I think there's so many students that try to get God to rubber stamp their ambitions. Right? And they wonder, what am I supposed to do with my life? And they've never asked God. <laughs> and they just, they have this passion that they had in junior high. And they think, man, this is my passion and this is what God wants in my life. And it's been my passion since junior high. And why wouldn't he want this for me? And man, I was angry at God. There was a period in my life where I was very angry in my life because my passion was to be a professional basketball player. And there was just this point where I realized it's probably not going to happen at 12. And I, uh, just because you're passionate about it doesn't mean that that should be your career. Okay. And just because it's your major doesn't mean it should be your career. And just because it's your career doesn't mean it should be the most important thing in your life. Um, we have too many people in the church that put platform over proclamation. The, the platform that they, they feel like God has given them uh, is, is put up so high that I care so much about my career or this could be a great opportunity to further the gospel or whatever. And they kind of forget about the proclamation part. And I think we can put platform next to proclamation. It's only a platform if you speak from it. Um, does that make sense? If you're not speaking from it, it's just a raised thing. I don't even know what you call it. Like it's, a, um, maybe it's a stage. Yeah, I don't know. But you speak from that too. So I don't know how to say that. But, uh, man, we need to see ourselves. So Ephesians 4.29, I love this verse. Uh, not 4.29, um, earlier in Ephesians uh, 4.12. Uh, God is is speaking and he's talking about to the church paul is talking about the church and he says the church has been given these people these ministers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry so your pastors your ministers they've been given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so let's all think about that real quick who does the ministry the saints so let's all feel sorry for your pastor right now because he doesn't get to do the ministry. Isn't that sad, right? He can do it in his, spare, his free time, right? Like, um, but he's given to equip you so that you can go out and do ministry. I used to have this idea that the only people who did ministry were the full-time workers, the pastors, right? No, they, they equip us for the work of the ministry, right? So as a career, I mean, our career is God's sovereign platform for us to preach the gospel our career is given to us so that we can impact others i love having chuck madden around because he's a guy that, that's done that that uses his career in a way uh, to advance the kingdom and so man listen listen to when he speaks listen to how he does it ask him questions uh, about how he's used his career as a platform to, to advance the kingdom um so career yeah people sacrifice um man i I work at a Christian campus, CBU, and when I started working there, I noticed that there were, there were men and there were women who spent a lot of time on that campus, who spent a lot of time doing their little tasks. And at the very beginning of my time there, I, I just had this mantra in my head, I will not lay my family on the altar of CBU. I will not lay my family on the altar of CBU. I'm not going to lay my ministry on the altar of CBU. I'm, uh, I, I'm not going to sacrifice uh, the priorities God's given me, ministry, family, um, for, the, for the sake of my career. So, yeah, career is a huge one. What else? Another exit ramp. 
Huh? Guilt. What do you mean by that? Yeah, guilt. You just kind of give up. Um, I think I have apathy. It could be similar. Uh, like you, you, you're so beat down. Um, man, I, uh, I think guilt. Yeah, guilt can get us to apathy. Is that fair to say? I don't. I, I mean, I'm going to talk about apathy now. <laughs> just going to be honest. Uh, a lot of people won't make an impact because they, they either are knocked down because of guilt or whatever reason, they just stop. They just get apathetic. Um, they might have been burned in the past. Something might have happened in their life. Uh, and they just, they just stop investing in others. Um, and make a plan. Have you ever made a growth plan for yourself? I heard a guy talking about this, like, what's your growth plan? I'm like, I don't know. Like, what, what's your growth plan? Uh, what's your growth plan? And so he, this dude recommended, like, putting books together, like having books that you, ha- you were going to read, having topics that you were going to study. And so I put this huge growth plan. Uh, it was awesome. I was going to study all these topics um, before I was 30, right? Like holiness and parenting and fatherhood and all these things until I was 30. And then I, I put this other plan together where I was going to memorize uh, ha- like the New Testament by the time I was 40, right? Uh, I've got four years, right? Um, so here's what happened in this growth plan. Uh, I, I studied holiness, got a ton of stuff out of it, and I studied uh, parenting, and that's it. <laughs> and then, then I memorized Philippians, and that's it. I got four more years to get the rest, but... Here's my question. Did I fail? Dude, I studied holiness. It was awesome. I learned so much about the holiness of God and uh, what it means for us to be holy. I read books on it. And then I memorized Philippians. It's awesome. I never did anything like that before. I can't remember most of it now, but <laughs> I got it at some point. Points, right? Um, man, that's not a, it's not a failure to me. Man, I grew spiritually because of that. Make some plans, and if you fail, don't be guilty. Don't live in guilt over that. If you don't, if you don't knock it out of the park, be thankful for what God taught you in that, that season, and then make a new plan that might be a little more realistic. Uh, all right, what else? Other exit ramps. Um, sometimes just thinking about it but not actually doing anything. Yeah, thinking about it but not actually doing anything. Man, I heard at this conference, this guy talking about how they don't, they don't ever talk about new ideas because he says if you talk about them, you won't do them. They just go out and do them. Like, this is like a company guy, I don't know, businessman, person. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think we talk a lot, right? We talk a lot about evangelism. We talk a lot about discipleship, and the danger can be we just talk about it. And so at some point, we got to go out and do it. I uh, mean, I think it's a great one. Uh, what else? Loss. Huh? Loss. Yeah. Loss. Not being able to move through pain. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll share this. I'll put that, the, um, I'll put with that the failure maybe to, to admit loss, the failure to talk about it, the failure to um, admit, man, I, I'm not growing, something's happened. Uh, 
it's the failure to be honest, maybe. It's a lot of things are right. Good luck. This has been one of the hardest months of my life. February has been so hard. Um, it's really dumb stuff, but it all kind of comes together. We're in the process of adopting a couple boys um, from Ethiopia, and uh, we expected that to happen a lot sooner, and it's just been a slow process. Uh, we got a letter of a negative. We're, we're expect, we need a positive letter of recommendation from this agency in Ethiopia. Well, we got a negative letter of recommendation, and what that means is they need to see more things from us. They need a new birth certificate from me and my wife because our old ones might have changed in the last four years, apparently, right? Your birth certificates? Um, just some random stuff. And it's really kind of worn on us. We, we joked about how we think we have prepartum depression. Um, like, just before we get our boys, we're just we're depressed. Like, it's taken a long time. Uh, February 1st, Charlotte walks into our kitchen, and she steps on a, something. What, what happened? She stepped on, like, a board. She said there's something sticky or something. It was really water. I don't know how it was sticky. We need to clean our floors more. Uh, our dishwasher broke and flooded our whole floors. And so, uh, I mean, we, have, we had, like, laminate flooring. We pulled it up. And, uh, and so I decided, man, let's do concrete flooring because this was the second time our floors had flooded. And so concrete flooring and just stained concrete, it's kind of hipster, cool looking right now. Uh, and also if it floods, you just mop it up, no problem, right? So I thought, oh, this would be easy. People do it on Pinterest all the time. Surely we can make this happen. So we had this black stuff called mastic. It's adhesive that holds laminate onto your floor. We had to get that off. To get that off, we used the soy stuff that we spread out all over the floor, and it stinks. And um, then you leave it on for a day, and then you pull it back off. And we did that. And then after we did it the first time, we realized we needed to do it again because it didn't get everything. And uh, then um, that, didn't, uh, that did some stuff. We had to do it three times. Then uh, I stained the floor like you're supposed to, but it didn't really work that well. And so I had to grind the whole floor like off um, and restart. Um, in this process... Um, and in this process, I, like when I realized I had to regrind the floor and like start all over again, um, I was working and I um, and I just said some words like Chuck said this morning that were not help, I mean not good. My mom would not want uh, me to say um, some cuss words, not in a good context like Paul used it, um, but in a different context. Uh, I, I mean, I was it was I was really angry and. Um, I just got this moment of clarity of, of like Job, right? You know the story of Job. Satan comes to, to God, and sa God says, have you observed my servant Job? And Satan says, yeah, I have. He, you give him everything. Why shouldn't he be happy and, and worship you? And God says, well, do what you want. And so he kind of takes his hand away, and Satan kind of attacks, right? And Job still worships. And Satan comes back, and he's like, well, it's just because you haven't let me do anything to him. And God's like, all right, go after it. And he gets boils, and his friends don't even recognize him at a distance. And, and so I just get this picture of God going to God and Satan talking, and Satan saying, um, God saying, uh, have you observed my servant Brian? And Satan's like, yeah, just give me his floors. That's all I need, right? That's, that's all I'll take. And then Satan goes back, and God says, have you seen my servant Brian? And Satan says, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> and, and I just think in that moment, man, every, every, and I'm, this might offend you, every sucky situation is an opportunity to worship. Every sucky situation is an opportunity to worship. Man, I've shared that with several guys now. 
and I've, I've just been really honest. Man, I cussed. I cussed out loud, and I'm not, I'm not proud of it. It wasn't healthy for me. Um, but I've shared that with some guys, and I think it's been really helpful for them. Um, it's been helpful for me to hear mentors in my life and how they've gotten through rough times. And, man, God has helped me um, see that the patience he's developing here is what we're going to need to raise two boys um, as we adopt them. We bring them over. They don't even know English. They're from Ethiopia. Uh, we're going to need a lot of patience, way more than, than fixing a floor. And I think, I think it, it could, it, this could have been the thing that knocks me off. But, but I think God's been faithful and helped me see um, some stuff through that. So, yeah, loss. Um, let me get through a, a few more real quick. Um, man, I think materialism. Uh, man, I'm sorry. A lot of you guys are from uh, California, and then uh, some of you are from Southern California. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm sincerely sorry, because you're growing up in an area where the culture is, is destroying you every day, and you don't even realize it. I mean, it's the nicotine, it's the um, narcotic of our culture, this materialism that seeps into your life. You don't even know how, how much it's, it's shaking you from eternity. And it's, it's shifting your heart away from God and towards things. Um, I mean, I, I know that one of the big antidotes to this is giving learning to give um, I want to challenge you to give give generously now um, you live in a materialistic society Paul says to Timothy the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil you can't serve both God and money you've got to pick one um, I know a lot of college students who plan their summers around sin right you, you got some of those friends right here's where I'm gonna party um, here's where I'm going to, like, man, it's going to be fun. We're going to do all this stuff. They plan their summers around sin. And I know a lot of college students who plan their summers around money. And I wonder if that's sin, too. And if, if you're creating this pattern in your life where money dictates everything that you do, all the decisions that you make, it's a real thing. We've got to understand that. It's a real thing. But, but if it dictates your life, um, that's called materialism. Um, man, we need to learn to give up stuff. Learn to go without Starbucks. Uh, learn to, to not have the nicest things. Um, man, we, this is something that could wreck a lot of us. So materialism. Uh, we got career, man. Oh, pride. Pride, guys. Okay. Uh, Proverbs 9.8. Here, write these down. Proverbs 9.8. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. If I rebuked you right now, how would you respond? Would you love it? Would you say thank you? Or would you say, you don't know me, right? I'm not going to listen to you. Uh, Proverbs twelve fifteen: the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs twenty six twelve: do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Are you seeing a trend here? Um, a prideful person will, will start to look like an Absalom at the gate. Here's the picture I want to get in your head. Absalom at the gate. Absalom was David's son. And Absalom, it says in 2 Samuel 15, Absalom would rise early, stand beside the way to the gate, and when any man had a suit, here's what a king would do in the ancient Near East. A king would sit and judge people. And so David would sit and people would come in for judgment. 
And when David, the king of Israel, wouldn't give a, right, a judgment that they wanted, the guy would leave, and Absalom was sitting at the door, sitting at the gate, and the guy would go out. And Absalom, the king's son, would say, Hey, um, what judgment did you want? And the guy would say, Well, I wanted this, but here's what David said. And so it said that Absalom would say, Your claims are right and good, but no man listens to you. But man, if I was king, man, I would give you that judgment. So he just kept doing that. Guys would come out, Oh, if I was king, I would, I would do that for you. But man, I'm not, I'm not king. Man, if I was king, man, here's what I would do if I was king, but I'm not king. Keeps doing that. And as he does that, he begins to divide the kingdom. That The kingdom goes into civil war. People die. Horrible things happen because Absalom begins to split the country by saying one, way, one thing, if I was king. Guys, we do this all the time, don't we? And if I was leading my challenge ministry... I would do dot, dot, dot. If, man, if I was the pastor of my church, here's what I would do, dot, dot, dot. And we start to talk about it in little groups. Man, I wonder why they're doing this. Man, if, if it were me, I would dot, dot, dot. You see what you're doing? You're becoming an Absalom at the gate, and you're turning people's hearts away from their leaders. You're turning people's hearts really away from following God because our leaders are given to us from God. So, man, don't be the Absalom at the gate. I mean, look for ways to, to live under authority to people. Look for ways to follow and submit to authority. This is huge. Pride will destroy you. Pride will wreck your life. All right. Pride material. Man, I, one I, I thought of is self, self-preservation. We have a lot of, um, what do we call it, entitlement in this generation. I've earned my vacation. I've earned this. I've earned that. Um, and there's some legitimate rights. Paul talks about all his legitimate rights and I think 2 Corinthians 9. And he talks about all these rights that he has, the right to marry, the right to eat and drink, the right um, to, to expect money for his ministry that he's given to the Corinthians. So he talks about all these rights, but Paul sums it up in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 9, 12. And he says, nevertheless, we didn't use any of these rights. But we endured all things for the sake of the gospel. Paul sacrifices his rights. Paul, uh, Philippians 2, he says, Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice. He pours himself out for the sake of people. Um, and we, we need to have an eternal perspective on life. We need to, to understand that this is worth it. This, this investment we're making that... The sacrifice that we're making for people, it's worth it. These rights that we have, we can give them up, and it'll be worth it. Um, so self-preservation. Uh, debt for you guys, this can be a really, this, this is an exit ramp, debt. Um, learn to live within your means. Uh, Hebrews 13.5 says, uh, make sure your character is free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he said, I will never desert you, nor I will ever forsake you. Did you catch what, what the writer of Hebrews did? He says, be content with what you have, because God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When we go into <laughs> debt to buy things we don't need, we're saying, God, you're not enough. When we Materialism is the same thing. We're saying, God, you're not enough. So debt. 
um, and that will wreck, uh, wreck your life. Um, so it's ridiculously simple. Don't spend money you don't have, okay? You got it? Write that down your notes. Don't spend money you don't have. Uh, student loans might be a different thing, but if you, if you have a lot of student loans, I would challenge you on um, Starbucks. I would challenge you on, on a lot of the fringe things. Every Starbucks drink you, you buy is 3 to $5 of student loans at that point. 3 to $5 you could have paid, uh, gotten out yourself out of debt early on. Um, and it adds up. If you just do the math, do the math for a week. Starbucks every week. It's like what, five times 60? $300? It's a lot of money. Over 10 years, it's 3000 right? That's a lot of money. So if you're in debt, be wise in what you, what you do with your money, all right? Um, two others, and I'll be done. I think failure to love the bride of Christ. Failure to love the bride of Christ. Again, Ephesians 4, our leaders have been given to us to equip us. They, they actually, our leaders, give an account for us. So we want to we honor them. We want to respect them. We want to obey them. And Hebrews actually says, if you don't obey them, it will not go well for you. It, this is not going to be to your benefit. Um, Ephesians 5, Paul tells us that Christ died for the church. Christ died for the church. And that, that's something I'm, I'm working on. I'm trying to think about. Uh, I know Christ died for me. But in a, really, in a real way, Christ died for the church as well. Um, I think Gordon did a great job in his last talk talking about community, the importance of that. Um, and we've been given each other. And this happens within the church. God calls it the bride of Christ, right? So think about this. If I start to talk about another church, I'm talking about the bride of Christ. You talk about my wife, Jennifer, and you're going to answer to two things lefty and righty okay that's how it works don't mess with my bride that's me i can't imagine what someone who messes with christ's bride will have to will have to face the wrath they'll have to endure um man so be careful when we talk about the church man love the bride of christ be involved in your church. serve your church don't treat your church uh, don't be a consumer in your church Someone who shows up late for their church and leaves early, that's a consumer. That's something you do for a movie, um, movie theater. Uh, if, you, if it's a product, that's what you're going to do. Someone who shows up early to try to meet others and invest in others, someone who, who, who sees what they can do, to, how they can serve, what, do I need to put up chairs, do I need to clean up, pick up some trash, that's someone who loves the bride of Christ, um, who's serving others in their community, serving the church. So... Failure to love the bride of Christ. And the last thing I'll, I'll mention is just bad theology will wreck you. Bad theology. Keep learning. Keep growing. Get a, get a small book on theology. Uh, there, there's some great ones. Uh, Wayne Grudem has a small book called 20 Christian Beliefs. Easy read. Easy read. Great little book. And it, it will just kind of uh, create like a foundation of belief for you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I could go into depth on that. But uh, just learn some theology. Let me say this, guys. It's worth it. These things are, some of them are really hard. Thinking about uh, pouring my life out for someone. Thinking about, can, is it okay 
am I okay being single for the rest of my life? If, if someone who, who isn't pursuing Christ doesn't come, in, come into my life, is that okay for me? Some of these things are really hard to think about, but it's worth it. Um, Howard Hendricks, guy that's invested in people for uh, tons of time. It, he died a couple of years ago. On He had a little website where people just um, wrote little things. There were thousands of people um, who, had, who, who attributed like their growth to him. Um, he says this, or he said this, I don't know if you've ever seen a fulfilled human being, but you're looking at one. And I want you to know if I died today, and if you feel honored enough to come to the funeral, don't feel sorry for me. In the first place, I'll never be more alive than I am. In the second place, it will be guys like you all over the world, all over the United States, who will say, you changed the whole course of my life. You want fulfillment? You've not experienced it until you've changed the life of another person. That's the name of the game. Guys, you want fulfillment in your life. Invest your life into others. Watch out for these exit ramps. Invest your life into others. Um, we have a few minutes for a couple questions. What about some advice for my battling fear? Battling fear. My, my wife has done, um, this has kind of been a theme of her life for the past, like I don't know, like 10 years. Um, one of the phrases she, she repeats is, only fear the Lord. Uh, so there's a there's a holy fear that we can have of God, um, a right response that we have in view of Him. I don't don't I don't know. Don't be afraid of people. Well, what can they do to you? That's, I mean, be afraid of Him who can destroy your soul, right? Uh, so fear the Lord. Um, I don't know. I don't, fear of what? Like maybe that that would help. Fear of. I don't know. Maybe like fear of rejection. Oh yeah. Cool. Fear of rejection. You will be rejected, so great. Um, what's next? <laughs> Fear of awkwardness. You will, there will be awkward times in your life. Yeah, just embrace stuff like that. Know, that. know that your goal isn't, like, success is faithfulness. That's what success is. So if you're being faithful, people reject you, that's, that's going to happen. Jesus says if they hated me, they're going to hate you. So maybe it's thinking, what am I afraid of? And then looking at each individual thing and saying, why am I afraid of this? What's the, what's the heart behind this? That's, it seems like it might, sometimes it might just be a, um, something that's coming out, that there might be something deep within. I know. A couple other questions? Yeah. Um, so seeing people die who know that when they, you think of this guy who's died that isn't a follower of Christ and then they leave the faith because of that? Neil, um, <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to tap out on this one. I got that. I tell you, I think that I think in a situation like that, you know, you have two two specific things that don't make you feel good. You know, 
I, I, to me, that reveals something in his heart um, more than it's not about his friend who died. Like he really, th there's some some deeper things going on. Yeah. If he knows someone going down to Exeron, what is like a way to do it in a loving way that's not like I don't know that wouldn't make him defensive, like well, you're judging my life or something like that. So how do you, the question is how do you warn someone? I mean, with tears? I mean, sincerely with tears. Like, I, I've spoken to people with tears telling them this is going to wreck your life. Um, yeah, I, just in love with tears. If you, have a, if you have a relationship with them and they know that you love them, then, then you'll probably have a, some type of platform to speak into their lives. If you're the person, and here's what I would say too, um, choo be careful on uh, choosing the sword to die on too. So if you're the person that, that's nitpicking, um, oh, you cussed again, right? Like all this stuff. Um, then a conversation like that might not have as big of an impact. But if they know that you really, when you, you have those conversations, they mean something. Um, I, I think they'll listen. I, I, I know the guys that have rebuked me. I mean, I'll do anything for them. The first guy that ever rebuked me was this guy named Marshall Gordon. And, uh, man, if he called me right now, I'd say, what do you want? <laughs> I'll do it. And you need me to go some, fly somewhere. Because he, he proved that he loved me at that, in that moment. Um, not a lot of people will do that. If someone responds poorly, that reveals their heart. It just reveals that they're, they're foolish. So. Yes. Um, here's the thing. Like, we're not, I'm not talking about, again, I said this, but specifics. Uh, just a general course of your life. And, and really, I mean, just, are you, I'm going to make disciples. Um, if, if there's an overwhelming urge that you have, like, I need to, I know God is directing me overseas. Um, I know God is directing me, like, specific, I'm, to be a pastor or some, some type of specific ministry if you you see that in your life um man that that should probably be something that you communicate with someone and, and you, they know that and they know you're on the same path and you see the trajectory of their life as well um yeah yeah that's my answer church and they're preaching about theology like how do you execute that how do you 
just that connection, like where the line Yeah, is. that's a good question. Well, so I would want to know why I joined the church in the first place. If, because um, you're going to, a lot of churches, you'll see it up front really, really easily. Um, what I don't want to do is I don't want to be the guy that splits a church. And so I, I don't, if I, if I didn't have a say in the church, I would never say, here's why I'm leaving this church. I would just graciously leave the church. Um, if you do see bad theology, I would, I would want to know what your definition of theology is. So uh, I, I hope we're talking about like some very crucial gospel type things. Um, the, the Bible's authoritative, the Bible's inerrant, like it, th- there's no, um, like it, it's not a myth, it's not like a good idea, right, right, like open theology, there's some, some things that we can, th- I mean, deep stuff we can talk about, but um, there's some like specific things, um, and then there's some fringe kind of things that I, I think we should be very comfortable, um, there's some things that, I mean, I, I know there's people in our church that agree, that believe different things on like end times and different things like that. And to me, I, that's really not important enough to divide over. Um, so if, but if it's a core issue, if it's a core gospel type issue, uh, I would um, maybe have a conversation with, with a leader, ask them, just clarify, this is what I see in the Bible. What do you see? Have an open mind, because maybe you're wrong. Um, but if, if you keep looking at the Bible and it keeps looking different than what they're teaching, I, I would politely leave and find a church that that teaches what the Bible says. In Revelation three, there's a church that Jesus says to, "I know your good works and I know that you have a, rep- a reputation of being good, but you don't have any love for me." Um, how does the church get to that point where Jesus has to say, "You know, like I know you don't love me, but you just the evidence looks." So what is he, what, what were you saying? He's is, what, what is it Laodicea? Yeah. What leads the church to that point? Is it is it the saints not being equipped? Is it the saints all understanding they shouldn't be equipped? You know, I guess we don't know if yeah. that church has anything, anything like that in in you know, So church has knowledge, but not. Or they have good works, even. And they have a good reputation. But they don't have a love yeah. for God. Alex, what do you think? <laughs>
All right. Last question right here. Yeah, so the question is, how do you, basically, how do you rebuke a leader? Is that your question? Yes, but then, but honoring that they're your authority. So I'm 37, been in churches for 37 years, because <laughs> my parents, right? Um, man, I've never, I've never experienced that, I'll, I'll be honest. I've never, I've never seen something that's so crucial that I have to go to my leaders and I have to say, you're in sin, this needs to change. Um, it's possible that that might happen at some point. The Bible says uh, a, a charge against an elder, against a leader in the church needs to come, you, you need to have two or three people. And so it, it seems to, to be that it's a pattern, it's a very overt, like obvious public pattern um, that people can see, um, and it seems to be like there's probably um, a lot of people that are seeing this. I don't think it's a hey gossipy kind of thing. I think it's hey we're concerned and and we go and we just address that together. I think that's really rare, and if you're choosing your churches uh, wisely at the beginning, you won't have to deal with that um, <coughs> later on. Neil. There's some instances in the paper that's really like the pastor of the North Wales that the people had to come and say some just like Brian said, it was something that became very public, everybody saw it. But to go to someone that is a leader and, and to speak to them and say, you know, I have a question about this, or you know, I, I have a concern about this. You know, if you can do that, that's not a problem. But uh, bring an accusation against someone. I know for me, it'd have to be pretty big um, because I know what it would do to my soul to be that guy that always points it out and always says something. It wouldn't be good for me. So in most of those situations too, there's, there's people in leadership that see it as well. So you wouldn't, most of us wouldn't have to deal with that. Um, so, hey, let me pray for you guys. Pray for, okay. God, um, thank you for leaders in our life who help keep us on this um, path. Lord, I, I pray uh, for these students. I, I know that a lot of them will face exit ramps next week when they get back on campus. And so would you help us to, to look down the road and, and um, see, some, see some of these warning signs? And would you help us to think about some things that would knock us off this path? And would you help us to, to fix our eyes in you and follow you wholeheartedly. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would, um, and I'm, there's a lot of other exit ramps that weren't mentioned. I, I pray that you would help us um, to fight these um, by, by knowing your word and loving you, living in a community. Um, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.